This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. Good morning, everybody. How are you? How is everyone? Wow, it's such a glorious day. Um, is it just me, or is there a voice that's absent? There is a voice absent. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's podcast is usually named James and the Giant Preacher. Uh, we do have Pastor Chris here today. So we have the Giant Preacher. And yes. Sarah, myself, Going Cox, in studio today. But one person not in studio is... James. The James. Right? And he is the main man. Exactly. He is the main man. <laughs> it's, you know, it's honestly a Christmas miracle that, that uh, Glenn was able to set this up. So um, that was impressive to me yes. because if it weren't for his actions, this would be impossible right now. Yeah, we exactly. wouldn't have a podcast today if it wasn't for the fact that I was able to cobble together and probably um, – Maybe destroy several of our other podcasts, but, but luckily I haven't backed up. Anyway, uh, there was a few uh, colorful metaphors uh, espoused by myself. But we enjoy those around here, so yes. that's fine. So there you go, in front of the preacher. I was not, not being very godly, y'all. Anyway, uh, well, today's topic is we were trying to uh, come up with a topic. Uh, uh, Doc Wilkerson was not going to be here, and nor was Jim Wilkerson, who's very busy studying. And then, yeah, and Doc's in Mexico right now. Yeah, so. in Mexico. It, he's in Mexico, yeah. So it, he's, it makes it harder for him to uh, <laughs> kind of be here. Come back and, and do that. Yeah, no, he's, he's building a house in Mexico. So he's been gathering. Is um, that a missions project? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, he got invited a few months ago and was back and forth on whether or not he wanted to go. But um, something that we've been talking about. Uh, both of us are single and um, we've recognized that in the Bible, like, you you know, there's like a, a movement these days for if you're single, you're more selfish. And I've definitely fallen that to my, like myself, but um, we were discussing how, no, if you're single, you need to, like, you have a better ability to be able to drop anything and go serve God whenever you're called. And so um, after that discussion, he, he decided that he was going to go um, on that trip just because that's a blessing like in its own way of being seen. So. Do you know what town or city? You know, he's told me that a few times. Um, I know it's 10 hours away and it's right across the border. Okay. And it's one of the safer places, but I don't know specifically where. Um, Solar Dad was telling us. And she kept saying Guadalupe, but I don't know if that's where he went. So. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah, I can't remember exactly where, but uh, he's there for four days. They left yesterday. I don't know if that counts in four days or not. So it'll be interesting just to see whenever he randomly reappears. Um, but I, I don't think he's texting or anything at this point either. Um, so anyway, hope all things go well for him. Well, well, we'll say a prayer for him. Yes, I've, I've been praying absolutely. Uh, today, the Pastor Witt had suggested that we all um, 
get a piece of scripture mm-hmm. that we found inspiring in some way, and then we would uh, then we would uh, talk about it. Maybe that would lead to a wonderful discussion, which I think it will. Uh, we're a little discombobulated, so forgive us, <laughs> lady, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, we were trying to. Basically, we had to change seats, microphones, headsets. Oh, my God. I feel so bad because I'm sitting in Glenn's normal seat, and it's kind of like whenever you get into a car um, and you move around the, the chair and everything, and then the person um, that usually sits there comes back in later. And so you have a much shorter microphone at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, but, uh, story of my life. Anyway, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, uh, I am six foot six inches tall. Have been since eighth grade, so that's why they reference me as Paul. So. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Uh, all right. Um, well, do you want to go first, Sarah? With I, yeah, you can go ahead and, and get mine. Um, so my my saint is actually Saint Paul, and so I like to read his writings. Um, uh, just to try to connect through that that way. And um, so I was going through Romans. And, um, and I found, let's see, it's Romans eight eighteen, Um, and it said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And, um, I thought that that was extremely encouraging because I feel like so many people get caught up in the sufferings of today that they sometimes even are drawn away from God and say there can't be a God um, who would allow me to suffer in this way. But um, it, it's, it's beautiful to think about that because God, God suffered for us and for us to be able to suffer for him and then ultimately be reunited in his glory is, um, is something that's good to remind ourselves of because it's not for but it's not just randomly. It's not for no reason. It's it's a way to glorify him more through the suffering. So. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So you, <laughs> yours is about the, this is kind of interesting mm-hmm. because um, mine was Jeremiah 22, 3, which I'll talk about later. Uh, but the one that you sent us first was, I will smear your faces with dung <laughs> and the festival of sacrifices, <laughs> yeah. and you will be carried off with it. Mouth, Malachi, I'm assuming 2.3 NIV version. Uh, that's what Sarah sent us out. With. I did not. <laughs> no, that was Jim. Was Jim. that Jim? Yeah, that was I, Jim. I, I don't know everybody's telephone number. Oh, yeah. So I actually thought that was James. That sounded more like James. But. I like I like that it's everybody in our family that's connected in that way then because it could be me, it could be Jim, it could be James. Yeah. But um, all of us could have sent something. Like that, I will spear dung on your faces. Yeah. So, here's Sarah's sweet uh, talking Paul, about uh, Romans eight eighteen sufferings and sacrifices. Yeah. yeah, but both of them do- did talk about sacrifices, so um, that's that's good. Okay, sacrifices mm-hmm. for well, the Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. What we're talking about yes. And I, I don't think we could ever compare our sacrifice to His. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. But I think we can very much um, understand that we aren't always going to be handed everything on a silver platter just because we're Christians. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's not even a silver platter. It's 
it could be worse than that. I mean, I know, I know a girl, she has been, she's seven day Adventist. So there are flaws there, but, um, but, but the, her, the faith that she and her family have in God is so beautiful to see. And they, they, she's not had an easy life. In fact, I would say that she has a very difficult life, um, with, uh, a lot of suffering. Like uh, it was physical suffering through the sickness that nobody knew how to cure. Um, I know that, uh, there's, there's been some other burdens in their life that I couldn't imagine going through, but the fact that she still has that absolute adoration of Christ, um, it's, it's painted very clearly throughout the Bible that you can go through those and come out even more glorified in the end. So, um, yeah, I was just, um, it, so. Yeah, it's a good reminder, um, and and we can talk about Britney Spears later. But uh, there was something <laughs> we can connect that later. But oh, good. Yeah, and I know that y'all wanted to talk about her specifically, especially since James is gone. We can all fangirl over her now. But anyway, uh, yeah. I, I can let y'all go and do your uh, your your verses if you want. But that's just mine. Well, um, when I was investigating this, um, you know, I went back and forth and. You know, it's Christmas season, and I thought maybe I'd do a Christmas. But one that kept coming to me was wisdom. And uh, I finally landed on Jeremiah 22.3. Do what is just and just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to foreigners, the, father, the fatherless or the widow. Do not shed innocent blood in this place. For if you are careful to carry out these commands, the kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this palace, riding in chariots and on horses, accompanied by their officials and their people. Uh, with this conflict we have in Israel, mm. uh, it you know kind of... I guess that struck me yeah. as a kind of wisdom. And if, as I understand the word wisdom in Hebrew, it doesn't just mean following teachings or something like that. It means applying things. So wisdom is knowing something and then applying. Uh, do I think that uh, Israel needs to back off? No, I don't. I think they have every right to do what they're doing. And I think they're actually showing restraint in a lot of ways. I agree. Yeah. Are people dying in the process? Yeah. But we don't know. I mean, we can't trust what Israel says. And we can't trust what Hamas says or Palestine says or anybody says. It's the fog of war. Mm -hmm. But I do like this verse in that we shouldn't apply what Israel's doing to this country. Or to other people, that we should treat everyone. You know, here's a little uh, story from currently. Uh, woke up one day and uh, all of a sudden they're digging up my uh, front driveway. Uh, I went, Ooh, what's going on? Uh, I go, they said, Yeah, yeah, you see here, we, we, we've got to figure out where this gas line goes. Right here, it's here somewhere. And then they, dug it up, and they uh, hit both water lines for me and my neighbor, uh, <laughs> which turned out 
all the entire neighborhood had to be turned off while they tried to fix it over two days. Uh, anyway, I did get to meet many of my neighbors because they <laughs> what are you doing down here? We don't have water. I don't think you understand. Yeah. And, and so, but they were, they were, they were, they were just inquiring, you know, when they might have this fixed. Um, what, what I did get to know is I have a diverse ethnic group of people living in my neighborhood. Wow, yeah. Um, African American, Indian, uh, Pakistani, uh, and of course, Caucasian as heck like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was interesting is how we were all basically neighbors. And, you know, that's why this one stuck out to me in that this country, you know, to me, that feels like what we are at our core, when we're really doing what we should be doing, when we have wisdom mm-hmm. and we apply it. And uh, so I was pretty heartened by this whole, uh, I don't know, escapade that these good old boys who are trying to find the gas line. Uh, and my other neighbor, who's the guy who called him out, find the gas line so he could have a backup generator. <laughs> he was hiding. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was out there, you know, and I you know, hadn't washed, didn't shave, you know, because I had no water. Anyway. <laughs> And I'm out there in like, I think shorts, long socks, very dad uh, <laughs> uniform, and a hat. And everybody's coming up, talk to me. I'm trying to figure out what the heck's going on. But uh, I applied wisdom, and I said, "Well, it didn't mean to this happen. And these two guys that are in there right now are fixing the problem. It should be up soon. The current lie is about an hour. And uh, but that's why this one struck me." It struck me because if we aren't always going to be given the best thing, uh, suffering will happen even to the righteous. But the wisdom is, if we trust in Jesus the Lord, things will be all right, what we need. It won't be necessarily we're going to knock it out of the park. You know, It won't be that everything is going to be wonderful. It will be what we need to be. And if we also, you know, if you look at the book of Job, and what I didn't realize, and since James isn't here, I'll do the movie reference. Heck yeah, let's uh, do this. <laughs> the book of Job got me into that as well. And uh, Job, I'm sorry. I said Job. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let that go. <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, let's go on Job. That's kind of fun. <laughs> Y'all, the book of Job. Uh, but anyway. Job, and I realized it was Bruce Almighty. (sighs) Basically, the book of Job is the movie Bruce Almighty, where, you know, he he was lamenting that, you know, oh, God, why does this always happen to me? All these horrible things that was applied to most current time. And he said, oh, you want the job? Here, I'll just let you do it in this city. Interesting. And uh, he was trying, and he gave him all his powers. And he was trying just to answer prayers in the city. So first it was like, oh, no, no, yes, no, yeah. And he was, I can't do this. I'll just say yes to all of it. And everything went to heck in the handbasket before you knew what happened. A little different from the book of Job, but still, 
uh, God did say, this is what I have to do. Sometimes bad things happen to the righteous as well. The wisdom is that it's going to be better for everyone if you just trust in the Lord. Now, I know that's an Old Testament uh, scripture. We but, still accept the Old Testament. It's, but, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and, and the, the thing about it that many times we overlook, at the end of the book of Job, God gives him twice as much as he had before. And so somebody coined it like this, you get double for your trouble. But notice the thing about Job is that he never gave up on God. Yep. His wife gave up on God, and she told him to just curse God and die, but he refused to do that. And even his friends came, and they really weren't helpful. So he was, he was taking it from all sides, but he said, though he slay me, I will serve him. And yeah, so, and that, that was a powerful message to me as well, um, because, you know, he had every horrible thing after yes. everything that was horrible. Now, I realized my story was a first world problem, so I'm not going to sit here and say that was a horrible <laughs> thing. I, I'm just saying that one of the things that it keeps – I keep the theme of old, new, all is basically you have to understand that everybody has their burden. Everyone has their problems. Everyone might not be acting out against you, even if they're doing something horrible to you. But everyone has, if they follow the Lord and follow Jesus, it'll work out, even though you might not get this huge reward on this planet, there'll be, there's something else that is serving God. I mean, and when you think about what happened, too, in that, in that neighbor situation where um, a crisis like that can bring people together in a beautiful way. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, you saw that after 9-11. Now, it also ends to bad things sometimes, depending on if, like, it's political stuff involved, which is why you have to keep crisis forefront um like the patriot act not a good thing but um i mean i know that right now israel is more united than they they ever have been because of what happened um on october 7th and um and just people trying to come together as a community through tragedy is uh yeah and we got uh we figured out that Harvard and Stanford and one yes. other place is just a horrible place. Yeah, that was shocking. <laughs> you know, who, who thought? It just piles up on top of their stuff. I guess I see the protests of students as a little different in that light that, you know, young people in college campuses, that's kind of what they do. Yeah. Well, but, and it's because of, of the liberal slant that many of our universities have. And my wife said to me the other day, she said, Chris, uh, you know, tech, tech's, uh, tech, thank God we live in this town because tech is so conservative. I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, when I first retired, I went up to the coffee shop and I said, and I talked to retired tech professors and I said, they're as liberal as can be. Yes. And the only thing that they would tell me, they said that uh, most of the professors that are in the engineering department, that they are conservative. And I thought that was very interesting. Because... And there's been some studies on this, actually. Okay. That, uh, they don't that they don't hire liberal, anything but liberal, and that the reason that 
the engineering doctoral, you'll find some conservatives there. Engineering is obviously mostly conservative. Uh-huh. Uh, you find it there in some of the hard sciences because they tend to go into those kinds of fields, uh-huh. conservatives. Whereas, you know, uh, you know, the Supreme Court at one time, it was known that you were your aides were the opposite of what your political stance was. If you were conservative, they were liberal. If they were liberal, you were you got conservative. So you get different points of view. Mm-hmm. That started to go away in the court. My understanding. I hope so. See, but I think that um, what's going on in colleges is interesting too, because like, first of all, God's light is in each of us. Um, and that, that includes these crazy liberal professors, but, um, I actually minored in English. And so I, I dealt with more liberal professors, um, but they, they still have, and, and it makes sense to me that they're drawn to, um, liberal values because I feel like whenever you, you look at all of us, I think the vast majority of people we're striving for good like what we see is good. Now you can find good in through Christ and like what he says is good. And, um, and, and, uh, you know, I was reading the apostolic fathers. I love them. Um, they have this whole, the life of death, life of, um, like, you know, like life and death. Those are two different paths. And you talk about what the life, uh, life is and death and, and the different values that you get from each of them. But I feel like so, so you can get your Christian values and that's what you get your good from. But I feel like the liberals, um, they're still striving for good, but they're striving for it in a different way. Um, and you know, their, their brains are incredible the way that they're able to read poetry and to put these crazy thoughts together. But I feel like it comes from, um, a more like nuanced way of everybody can be saved on this earth. And it's impossible. Like if you actually understand how Christianity works and like uh, God is in everything. So you can't escape this is that we live in a broken world and it's impossible to make things perfect. And so whenever you see stuff like communism, it's like, oh, well, communism wasn't done the right way. And it's like, nope, you're setting up a human system that's supposed to fit up, that's supposed to fix everybody's problems. And that's never going to happen. Um, so I think that it's, it's, uh, it's, not a bad thing that they are communist and whatnot because they are genuinely trying to find a problem, a, a resolution for everything. But it's just, um, it's interesting how you deal with it. Yeah. yeah and I think, um, you know, I know liberals who believe in the First Amendment. They believe in America. Mm-hmm. They are patriots. And they're very liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, some of them have TDS, but uh, Trump derangement syndrome, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, but uh, uh, you get them off that, they start to say, well, yeah, we shouldn't do this, this, and we have a lot more agreement than I think they believe. You know, they just see, they see my conservative, boy, you were in business, that's why you're evil. Mm-hmm. And I go, okay, you know me. What, you know, how, how, how are you squaring that up? And I go, you didn't do a job. You don't have a job now. You don't. Well, I don't understand. You're using the system. And so once you get them off that kind of you're evil because you're on the other team, 
and realize that we're all one team, uh, and especially if they're Christian, it's real easy to yeah. get them on there. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, to add to the, the Job story, uh, elsewhere in the Bible, it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And I think sometimes when I go back in, 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 in life and think of some of the messages that I've heard, that uh, there's a lot of negativity that comes out of some of those messages. Uh, and it, it, it really tries to slant you to the side. Yes, there's going to be tribulation and tests and troubles and problems. And, but we've got to remember, yes, Job went through it. And that was a kind of a special situation between him and God. But still, the end result was he got double for his trouble because he ended up with double everything that he had before that. And, and Sarah, I had something to add to your scripture. Uh, and I can't remember now what your scripture was. So if you'll read it, maybe yeah. we'll come back to my mind. <laughs> I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Okay. And again, that kind of goes along with what I, I just said, yep. that there are some scriptures that that have been magnified and more on the, the trouble side uh, by, by preachers that, you know, they were using the scripture, but they were kind of going in, in, in a direction that I don't think God wants us to go in. He wants us to see that he is still a miracle God that he can do anything, that he wants us to lean on him and look to him. And my scripture was going to be this, forgetting the things that are behind, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. So uh, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He'll bring up everything that you ever did from the third grade and before up until yesterday. Kind of and, like social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he'll bring all of that up. But you've got to understand Romans five seventeen. It said, if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. That was talking about Adam. 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 And, and oh, his job and Adam. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a little problem here pronouncing yeah, yeah. If by one man's offense, death reigned by one. In other words, being cut off. Death is cut off from God. So Adam caused us to be cut off from God, but God immediately, immediately, he came and, and took away the big leaves from them where they were trying to cover their nakedness, and he gave them something to cover their nakedness, and they had to spill blood and for their nakedness to be covered. Okay, I won't go into that any further, but I'll say this again. If by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more, much more, keywords, much more, we which receive abundance of grace, not a little grace, abundance of grace, and the gift, the gift, 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 gift of righteousness shall reign, R-E-I-G-N, in life through Jesus Christ. Now, out of the, uh, uh, Paul's words, and I like what you said, you were talking about you like to read the readings of, of the Apostle Paul. Well, actually, there's a systematic theology that you can go through, which systematic theology simply means a system of truth that you can follow through the Bible. And all that time that that Paul spent out on the desert and God was talking to him. He came back and he wrote the Pauline epistles. And I, I like to remind people that, that actually, if you begin to read who you are in Christ, who you are by Christ, you start reading uh, Paul and he talks about our position in Christ. And uh, even the, the Lord's prayer, 
We are to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that in the Old Testament, there's a verse of scripture, I can't give you the address of it, but it says, may, the, may our days on earth be like the days of heaven. In that prayer, where we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We ought to pray it like this. Lord, let your kingdom come today in my life. The kingdom of God coming today in my life. I need to back off from this mic no, just no, a little bit. No, you don't need to back off from the mic. <laughs> I need to don't get pound the table. Yeah, don't pound the table. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, that, uh, that will be done. That kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is anybody sick in heaven? And yet nope. we've been told to pray that will be done in, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Is anybody broke in heaven? No. And we're to pray that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is anybody mad at anybody in heaven? No. I mean, we can go on down the list. We sometimes just say the Lord's Prayer and we think, well, we just prayed a great prayer. Do you really understand what you're praying? Like whenever you actually break down what each of the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, like whenever you talk about forgive us our sins, is, I'm sorry, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. You think about what you're saying there is yes. if I don't forgive yeah. others, I'm asking God to forgive me like I forgive others. And so you break it down to that, just to, just line by line, you realize this is what I'm saying. And if you're praying that consistently and you don't know what you're saying, it's just like, yeah, you could be, you could be putting yourself in trouble there. I so. definitely agree. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, uh, just to be real, when I get to that part, Lord, uh, forgive me of my sin. And I say this other like this, Lord, because he knows me anyway. <laughs> Help me to forgive those that have sinned against me. And uh, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer is so powerful if you understand that Jesus was actually giving you an outline so that you can, uh, you can pray that outline and you need to understand what that outline means, but it will cause you to go into other things in between the different statements that you make in, the, in that prayer. And, and I have said this uh, several different times on the podcast that if you want a prayer book, why not the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E? I mean, open it up and, and personalize the scripture, just like the 23rd Psalm. And I pray it like this, Lord, be my shepherd today. I mean, because he's going to, uh, and then ask him, Lord, make me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, we need to ask the Lord to help us to be satisfied with where we are you know, to a degree, but we also need to understand, yes, we are right here, but we can even go higher because we are supposed to R-E-I-G-N. We are supposed to reign, reign, reign in life through Jesus Christ. Notice the words through Jesus Christ. What did I say? All of these uh, words that like in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, with Christ, the Pauline epistles is full of that. And when you begin to understand that, You'll begin to look at some of the messages that are being preached and you'll think, that isn't true. That's not true. And you'll begin to see things totally different. And, and the uh, scripture that I just quoted, uh, that, um, you know, in, in, in Christ, uh, if by one man's offense, death reigned by one much more. We which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Righteousness means a right standing with God. That's what makes you a Christian. That's what makes you born from above. I think born again is maybe in the Bible one or two times, but born from above is in the Bible several times because we are dead in trespasses and sin. 
But Jesus made a way. Adam caused that to happen. In fact, I said recently in front of uh, a bunch of ministers, I said, well, you know, uh, uh, Adam, uh, Adam could have said to Eve, Woman, don't you know you ate us out of house and home? <laughs> and uh, they high, one of them high-fived me for saying that. I don't guess he'd ever heard that before. <clears throat> and so now we have uh, the gift of right standing, the gift of righteousness. We have right standing with God. I feel like a lot of the uh, messages that have been preached has, uh, has hurt us more than helped us. Because if you understand that your sins are washed away and forgiven, and sometimes I tell the story about uh, my Aunt Martha, who's 80-some years old, 84, and she lives in a nice little place in, in uh, Florida, a uh, nice little home, you know, for the elderly. And um, You say that with a little bite in your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> <She's, laughs> well, I don't want to be put there. No, no, I don't. I don't. And uh, she'll say to me, and I know I've said this before on the podcast, but it bears repeating. I like the way I tell it. And so she says, Chris, she says, uh, you know, um, when I was young, I received Jesus as my personal savior. And then I just went astray. I went off and I, I did some bad things, some bad things. And she said, every day, Chris, she said, I asked the Lord to forgive me of those bad things. I said, Martha, do you know what the Lord says when you say to him over and over again? Lord, forgive me of the bad things, and you begin to enumerate them. You know what he says? She said, well, what? Like she was really getting ready to hear something mm -hmm. from me. I says, he said, he says, I don't know what in the world you're talking about, Martha, because the Bible says that the Lord puts in uh, all of our sins, he puts them in a sea of forgetfulness. And one preacher added, and he puts up a sign that says, no fishing here. So he doesn't want us to go back over those things. He wants to forget the things that are behind us and press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Every single one of us, it's not just a minister, the head of the local church that has the high calling. High calling. Yeah. What, what, could you well, it, our, our high calling is this. Now we are children of God. Right. And that's, that's a high calling. Mm -hmm. And and we have something to do. We have purpose in life. And our purpose is to be a light. And, and a light is like this. You know, like in Psalms 118, it talks about, it says this. I think it's in verse 19, 18 or 19. Just read the whole chapter. <laughs> but he says, uh, the Lord will light my candle. And he said, then I will run through a troop. And leap over a wall. Think about that. You'll run through a troop. You'll run through an army. And you will leap over a wall. In other words, nothing's going to hold you back if you get lit. Now, a lot of okay, people well, talk about by lit. <laughs> yeah. spiritually, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, we're not advocating any type of drugs. See, that's right. But I like to use that, especially if I'm uh, uh, preaching in a, a rehab soon. I say, now, many of you got lit with the world's getting lit. But I'm mm -hmm. telling you, you can get lit by the Lord. And that's a message that needs to be preached in every single church because you can get a high in the Lord. And and so he's talking about the light and the word says uh, the word of the Lord is is a a lamp unto my feet. Well, what happens? The Lord will light your candle that comes at salvation. And then through the word of God, the, the, the word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet. 
The word of God will give you so that you can see spiritual things and see spiritual ways to um, activate the direction of your life. And just as the psalmist said, once you get that light, you get lit by the Lord. Then you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Things that you can't do in the natural. Now you have understanding, you have light, you have direction. You can see how that you can get through these things that come against you like they came against Job. Um, what I thought, like one of the things that I thought the you, you went into that was interesting was that um that people like the, the devil and, and evil spirits try to bring up these dark points in your life to to uh make you feel like you're unworthy of god's love um there is a a nun sister miriam miriam james um she goes into that a lot where we can feel like we are just shrouded in darkness by, by a lot of the things that have happened in our lives. And, um, and, and you can get to the point of almost turning away from God because you're so ashamed of all that. But, um, what I love that she does is she turns God into our father. He's not like, we, we, Bible talks about how we're servants and everything. And I think that's also important to take into consideration, but we are, we are, children of God, like you said. And it was funny, whenever you were saying that, I was actually reading, um, because like I have my Bible open to that um Romans 8, 8, 8, 18 that I was reading earlier. But above that there's a paragraph that goes into um that like we cry Abba, Father. And I think it's just so beautiful to think that he is literally our father and um and he's he he loves us unconditionally. And so despite our flaws and our failures, he, he expects that. I mean, we have that original sin. We have um, the fall of Adam and Eve. We live in a broken world where you can't get you can't get out of that except through Christ. And um, and it's just I feel like people need to be reminded of that, that love and that relationship that he has towards us. Yeah, in fact, I've been told that Abba, Father, Abba is the terminology uh, for daddy or papa. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so we need to look at God with with that eyesight Mm -hmm. or spiritual eyesight that He's our our daddy, He's our papa, and and Jesus. I have to channel James here, not the dancing queen. (laughs) (laughs) The Um, podcast wouldn't be right if you didn't channel James. (laughs) I got my I got my movie reference, and now I said something silly about Abba. I do love. I feel like I feel like they're definitely underrated these days. People need to listen to them more often. But um, yeah, it's 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 seeing him in that light uh, that has helped me too because it is easy to get caught up and and it's not even just passing. It's also um, obviously whenever like this this is something that I didn't recognize until until I started getting into Christianity is that um. I didn't think about my sins ever. I never thought about how I was hurting Christ through them. And so I think that um, even after you're saved, you're going, there's going to be a spotlight on things that pull you away from Christ. And so for instance, like materialism, I didn't realize that was something that was pulling me away from Christ scrolling through uh, like different shopping websites and stuff just for hours and not thinking about it. That is pulling me away from Christ. And um, there's a bunch of other things that, that I didn't recognize before then. And they're sinful. I mean, um, you, you go into gluttony, um, and, and You're pride right. and everything. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, uh, Sarah just said gluttony. I just want you to know she's 
ultra thin. <laughs> I, I, I eat a lot of chocolate. I eat okay. a ton of chocolate. All right. That's my, that's All right. my if I was thinking gluttony, you would not be the first person to come to mind. Thank you, though. No, I do appreciate that. But no, I, um, you, you eat, and like, I, what is it? I, uh, I would eat like a, a gallon of ice cream on the weekend. And then, but I mean, like, I would work out. So it would kind of even it out. But at the same time, you sit back and you think, what the heck was I doing? And then, um, so, so I've tried to like learn how to make small sacrifices for God through like, oh, I wanted three pieces of chocolate, but I'll do one. Um, but anyway, but if it is, it's just small things like that where you realize that you, um, your sinful behavior does get in the way with your relationship with Christ. And it's, it's easy to get so caught up into that to where you forget that he's our loving father. And, and again, that's why I really like sister Miriam getting into all that. Um, well, and, talking again about Abba or Papa, daddy, father, uh, and, and really taking a look at that. The scripture says, let men everywhere. Now, that means mankind, not men. Let men everywhere lift up holy hands without fear, without wrath, without doubting. And think about that for a moment as a child of God. And think about a child, a toddler, that it comes up to its daddy or mama and it lifts its hands up. One of my pet peeves is that many churches have lost the form of worship that's biblical. They want everybody to be quiet. Only the So you're about to have some um you're about to have some fight back right here, but I'll yeah. keep going. Please okay. let me go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this would be good. Your dad would love this. Um you know there's top guns and there's the little pistols, I guess. But that's not the way it is at all. In fact, uh, David took all the down and out people. Now think about David, the giant killer. And why did he win against the giant? When all of his brothers and sisters that were Israelis, they had a covenant with God. They were Abraham's children. But they would go out every morning and end up running from the giant. But David, when he got on the scene, he was not there to fight the giant. He was there to deliver uh, food to uh, his brothers. But he said, I will go out and take the giant. And see, when you talk big like that about God, people get upset about it. And I talk about the miracle God. I talk about the form of worship. And David's secret, all you need to read is some of the Psalms that he wrote. And he was a worshiper of Almighty God. Absolutely. And so he comes against the, uh, the, uh, the giant, and he lets the giant know that he's coming in the name of, of the Lord God Almighty. And he tells Saul, and Saul says, you're not able to go out against that giant. And, and actually, he's talking about the Abrahamic covenant. I mean, David talks about the Abrahamic covenant because he said, I'll tell you what, the Spirit of God came upon me. And he said, I killed a bear. And I killed a lion. I killed him with my bare hands. Isn't it interesting? He only killed one bear and one lion. You know, word gets out in the hood. When you're bad, dude, word gets out in the hood. Corn pop. He was a bad dude. That's what I hear. That's what we're told. Yeah. So all I'm talking about is this. The Bible says in the New Testament, it says all the word of God 
is yes. It says, let the amen rise up out of us. I can remember back in the day that no matter uh, hardly what uh, church that you went to, uh, uh, people said amen to the message. And the Bible talks about, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Now, I'm going back to David. I'm telling you that the secret of his strength, the reason he got all the down and out people to come to him is because he was a giant killer. What did he teach them there? The only thing I can figure that he taught them there was the Abrahamic covenant and how that he 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 came into the Abrahamic covenant by praising and worshiping almighty God. And that has gone out of the churches. You can uh, there's some churches that if you were to raise your hands, you'll probably get two ushers that will usher you out. In fact, in this very town, I was told that someone raised their hand in the service and someone came back to them and said, you need to go to South Parkway Church, which was the church I passed. <laughs> and because we, we believe, we believe in worship and we believe in lifting our hands. We believe in clapping our so, hands. So you're saying that a church said don't come back because they raised their hand? Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. You yes. know, there's some research also about uh, when someone wins mm -hmm. universally, yes. worldwide, they do the V. Yes. Right? Yes. And they'll just clap their like, hands. Just like, just like you know, yeah. um, they do in the church sometimes. I've yeah. seen people who have gotten in the spirit, yeah. as they say, and they raise their hands. Yeah. Um, you know, I... Just that seems to me a very bad way to run a church. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. And, and what I'm talking about is it, it's it's like it's spread out over this nation because it, it used to be the amens were in all the churches. And then you had this movement of, of the Holy Spirit that happened that even Catholics got involved in. And uh, that was in the 70s. And there was such uh, there was a thing called uh, uh, full gospel businessmen, and there was a lot of business uh, Catholic businessmen that they wanted to go to something outside of the church, and they would go there. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They would speak in tongues, and uh, and all of this is packaged together. But what I've seen now at seventy four years old, what I have seen is is that we are gradually uh, un, uh, un, unwrapping. We're unwrapping this beautiful present that we had it wrapped in worship and praise, and clap in our hands, and shout. The Bible says, shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. We shout with the voice of triumph. And what about people that get so excited that they holler at the football game or the baseball game because of a touchdown? Why are they doing that? Because their team is winning. They're excited. But we come to church and all of our emotions have been put down. That's what happened to Israel. They couldn't take that giant down. But when you read the Psalms about the worshiper that David was, and I'm, I got more to say about David, but I'm going to let somebody else talk in a minute. <laughs> what, what he understood was, what he understood was that worship is the secret of power with Almighty God. And I, I think. The whole, you know, prayer. Mm -hmm. If you think about prayer for a while, um, what I have been amazed at is they've actually done. There has been research on this. Even Oprah said this. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm not saying Oprah's bad or good. I'm just saying that she said the power of prayer mm -hmm. is there. That they've actually done like prayer groups and they've isolated someone and they say, pray for them and they get better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or 
you know, it's significantly beyond statistical uh, abnormality. Right. Uh, now, you don't hear about those research very often mm-hmm. because it doesn't meet the narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you think it's Satan's narrative that we're, we seem to be buying into. Uh, I've seen this. People are influenced, and most people don't believe this, but they're influenced by a rep- rep- repetition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you say something enough, it doesn't matter if it's true or not, it becomes stuck in their head. So I think prayer is one way to fuse your connection with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I really, really believe that. Um, and so when you say, you know, and I think, you know, just from a, you know, my my thing is customer interaction. And so if a customer came into my restaurant and they were doing this and lifting, and I'm doing the V and lifting my hands in the air, I'd say, okay, I just don't care. Here you go. Here's your hammer. Uh, but, you know, so for our church to say, don't come back, right. you know, I don't know. That's yeah. a little, you know, uh, now I can see it, you know, being a white Protestant, uh, I can see how that might upset some of my other people because they feel like you should be reverent to the Lord. That might be where they're coming from. But, you know, if someone's in the spirit, I don't see how that's going to help the church. Uh-huh. That church, that yeah. particular church. Yeah. Well, you take Moses, for example. He, uh, he He's up on a mountain and Israel, the children of Israel are in a battle and they're losing. But as long as he holds his hands up, they have victory. Finally, he's so tired and his hands are coming down, they start losing. Aaron and her, this is in the Bible, they come, they get, and they lift his hands Mm -hmm. up and they start winning again. So these things have been taken out of the church. That's what I'm trying to say. Basketball reference here. Okay. You want a basketball reference? Yeah. Okay. Um, If you zone defense, If you properly do a zone defense, the other team won't score. It'll be you. You can't beat it. Yeah. You know what the fundamental of a zone defense is? I think your hands. Your hands are up, (laughs) and it gets so tiring to keep your hands up that you inevitably fall down, and that's when the other team scores. That is very interesting. (laughs) And I'll use that in one of my yeah. messages. Just a little basketball reference yeah. for all your. And, and here's another, uh, the only basketball uh, illustration that I have, actually. And supposedly this actually happened. I did not see it, but I heard about it. And so this team is is uh, uh, winning, and the other team is like uh, just a, a basket away from uh, 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 taking the lead. And um, so what happened was um, the team that uh, is passing the ball back in, they're going to pass the ball back in. And so what they did, that one of the guys got down on his hands and knees that's out there, and he's on, on the same team as the guy passing it back in. He goes to barking like a dog. When he barked like a dog, the team that's winning all look at him. They pass it in, make a basket, and win the game. The buzzer goes off. 
And so the devil makes all kinds of noise to keep us from coming into the fullness of Jesus Christ and what he has for us. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Okay. So forget. Well, don't forget. That's a bad way to put that. That's not the way I want to put it. What you're going to do is not focus on your past sins. Right. You're going to focus on Jesus. True. And move forward. Yes. And that is a powerful message as someone who, you know, has made a lot of mistakes in a lot of things. Um, I tended to focus on this horrible thing, you know, that I did. Mm-hmm. The only time I got past it is when I stopped focusing on it and started saying, okay, I can't do anything about that. What I can do is something right in front of me. And, you know, Jesus basically is right in front of you Amen. all the time. That's very good. Yes. So, uh, also forgiveness for the ladies and gentlemen, as someone who used to say, um, I don't, I'm not uh, prejudiced. I hate everybody. That's what I used to say, by the way. <laughs> uh, they, you know, I just didn't forgive. Yeah. I didn't realize forgiveness was for me, not the other person. Yes. Yes. So I'll say that up front. Sarah, do you have anything to add? Yeah. So, um, as far as the, like, okay, so the mass is celebrated in a very specific um, structure. And so I think that this is where, again, we're going to have a disagreement on worship practices. But I do, like, I am in agreement that there are um, times when we, like, truly need to celebrate God and have that... Um, like you get this this insane emotional connection with him. I mean, I've I I used to never cry, and I've cried so many times during prayer because uh, there's just been so many emotions and feelings that go through Christ. And I even I've even had those uh, those connections in mass um, while I'm there. It's just it's just this like beautiful piercing love that you can feel while you're there. Um, so it's my understanding, and this is something that I still, I'm still brushing up on, but the order of the mass comes from the, the beginnings with the apostolic fathers. And so um, you have a lot of writings of these people who came immediately after Christ. I mean, Ignatius was, I know, was alive at the time of Christ. Um, I'm pretty sure these others were as well. But what they did is they outlined um, the structure of how you worship on the Lord's day. And so that's where like, it's, it's been slightly rearranged, um, up at this point, but the mass comes from, uh, a line of how Christians have been worshiping since, um, since Christ's time. And so that's, I know that that's where that comes from. Um, including how we, we break the bread and we share it. And for instance, um, I, and I thought this was really beautiful. Uh, I was reading the, I think it was the Didache, um, where it went into the Eucharist and how, how you're supposed to specifically go through, um, uh, receiving it. And it, they, they talk about, um, breaking the bread and, uh, they have a specific, prayer of thanks over the cup and over the bread and um, even talk about how nobody should eat or drink of it unless they've been baptized. But then it also talks about how we should be um, 
we should uh, have peace between each other. And that's that was interesting to me because before you um, were allowed to receive the Eucharist in the Catholic Church, you have to um, go through a sign of peace and you, you look at all your brothers and your sisters in the church. And um, that's one of my favorite moments because you just look into everybody's eyes and you're thinking no matter what I've been through, it doesn't have to be like that specific person that you're looking at, but it can just be they're, they're kind of a stand in for maybe the person that you were mad at in um, in traffic the other day because they had wronged you or whatever. It's just, you're out there saying, I love you and I give you peace and I'm for, like just being forgiving. And so that's, that's where our order comes from. It's not that, um, overall in your life of celebrating God, that you get rid of, um, all forms of, uh, excitement and praise, but the sacrifice of the mass is specifically aimed at, um, Christ's sufferings and contemplating his suffering and death and ultimate resurrection that have led like his defeating. Like I, I hate how people are like always, whenever it's time for um, Easter, it's like, he is risen. He is risen. And it's like, no, he defeated death. Like this guy did the impossible. He reversed what Adam, um, Adam and Eve had done at the beginning, which is they said no to God. And they, um, they turned away from him and, and Christ did the exact opposite. They brought about death into the world and Christ, um, said yes, his entire life, even, even whenever he was praying in the garden, right before he was crucified, um, he knew what he was about to suffer and asked God if it's like in your will, like, please lift this from me. But he still said yes to God, despite knowing that he was about to go through it. Um, it was, it was always in God's will. And so he dies and he defeats that death. And that's what you're contemplating during the mass is you're having that, um, you're, you're, you're being solemn and focusing all of your attention on the beautiful gifts that God's given us through that. And so, um, yes, we have this solemnity, uh, but gosh, it's gorgeous. It's just, it's, it's still beautiful. And I think emotional in just a different way. Yeah. I think, uh, communion is supposed to be celebrated that way in every church, uh, remembering what, the price that Jesus Christ paid on our behalf. Uh, but the church was formed on the day of Pentecost. And so the day of Pentecost gives you a picture of what the church should be like. And when they looked in there and saw them in the upper room, they thought they were drunk. And it was the spirit of God that had come upon them. And they were just in a worship, uh, a mode of worship that uh, has been rediscovered, you might say, a few times, like in the Great Awakening, First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, the, um, the Pentecostal movement that came about, which came about um, around 1900. And um, so, again, David, when David... They had lost the Ark of the Covenant, and it was gone for a long time. And without going into great detail, when David finally went to get it, and it was a, a picture of the presence and the power and the glory of God. And David heard how that when it was stopped at this one house, that everything that the guy had was being blessed. Because, see, now it had been taken from Israel. 
Right. And they looked at it as a form. It was a form of religion to them. But but God didn't mean it to be that. God meant it to be the presence, power, and glory of God. So when when uh, when Adam uh, Adam when David went to get it, he danced in front of it and worshipped God. He danced to the point that his wife looked down and said, "You're just dancing and making a scene just for the women." And he said, "Woman." Mm-hmm. He said, you haven't seen nothing yet. And so he goes and he, he doesn't build this elaborate uh, temple. He goes and he, he, he builds like a brush arbor. And the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God could be seen there. And he had around the clock singers and worshipers there. This is old covenant. And, uh, and, and so, again, we see that David and his connection to worship had a tremendous connection with Father God through that. And the Bible says, I forget what uh, book it's in, it says, in the last days, the tabernacle of David will be raised back up. Now, that doesn't mean that the Ark of the Covenant and all of that, it's talking about the, the form that they have had. to go to Ethiopia. Yeah. It was the form being worship and praise and, and celebration of the Lord. And, and and what is celebration? The celebrations for some, it might be just sitting around with a smile on your face. But I've seen people that say, you know, I don't get fanatical in, in, in church and I'm just not a fanatical person. But that same person when it's birthday, yeah, yeah, look at this, look at this. But if it's church, no. The Bible said there can be a form of godliness that denies the power and and the power comes through worship and it's it's magnified again in the bible when it talks about in the last days the tabernacle of david's going to be risen risen again in other words worship and praise is going to rise up in a tremendous way and we are seeing that we we have a christian radio now and i find that most of the churches and i've been going to a lot of different churches since i've been kind of sort of like retired and uh, most of them are singing pretty well the same songs, the Christian radio uh, things that are there. Yeah. I mean, I like Christian radio. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is uh, We the Kingdom, uh, which I listen to. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways to come to the Lord. Oh, yes. And Absolutely. And when we shut off ways is when we're doing the wrong thing. And if we keep our uh, what would I call it if we keep our faith then we'll I think it'll, it'll work out mm-hmm. now I will something you said earlier I've been meaning to ask you about grace uh, I often hear the term grace mm-hmm. in church and from all sorts of people um, what is grace um God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay. That's an acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay. <laughs> and and so that's the it's the riches okay. yeah, of forgiveness. Uh, uh, that is interesting to me because there's a passage in the Bible about fearing the Lord. Uh-huh. It's Old Testament. Uh-huh. Um uh, and I one of my pastors and I talked about this a long time ago. And 
I said, I don't fear him. I don't want to fear him. And he said, you don't understand, Glenn, it's fear, a loss of grace. The grace of the Lord, that fear. <laughs> and also, you know, he's kind of awesome. So it's kind of, you know, you fear his omnipotence. It's I like a, a, a reverence. Yes. That fear is a reverence. A reverence. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we talk about fear of the Lord. Grace is thrown about without understanding its meaning. Uh, worship is sometimes thrown around that way. But wisdom is one that maybe the modern word for wisdom, that's what I kind of got out of this passage of mine. The modern word for wisdom is very just, oh, you just do the right thing kind of thing. And it's really not that. It's applying the right, mm -hmm. and at least in the Hebrew, as I understand. From the brief expedition I did diving down that rabbit hole. Um, okay. Like, I, would, I would like to just add, like, and again, I know that um, for me, like, I have less experience with this, but I have looked into, as far as, like, the, the structure of the church goes, it, it comes from the Old Testament, too, where you have God defining very specifically how he wants his church arranged and how he wants people to purify themselves before they enter their church and how people are to conduct themselves as far as um, sacrifices and whatnot goes. And, um, there is a, there, there's a solemnity that goes with, I mean, like you even think about the, um, Christ offering the Eucharist for the first time to, um, his disciples where there's a, um, just a, a beautiful calm that's coming from that, but it's still Christ knowing that this is his sacrifice for his people. And so I, I don't know, like it's reflected throughout the church that yes, there are times that you you're jumping for joy and everything, but God still has a specific structure that he set up. Um, I would say specifically in the old, old Testament, they, he, he went through it. Like, I mean, you read whenever he describes what types of fabric he wants and what types of um, wood he wants to be used and, um, and breaks that down a very specific way. And you have that uh, again to immediately after Christ um, is, is taken up um, into to heaven you have these people who are following him who are setting up the church in a very specific manner, very similar to that, where um, you have, again, uh, specific prayers that you say and, um, and orders that you go through during this time of church. And so I would just say that that's, um, that's something like the history of it is, uh, I know where we get a lot of our, our um, structure from. But uh, anyway, and again, like I understand that everybody like I, I don't want to um, whatever brings people to Christ is what I'm concerned about. But uh, yeah, I just I, I know that there is still beauty in the Catholic Church. That's um, you have just a different type of emotional experience. But yeah. Anyway, yeah, I yeah. think that's. Also, Britney Spears became. <laughs> Britney Spears apparently went to atheism because of suffering. She said there's no Christ, like no God that would allow suffering like this. And I think that's so sad because it just shows that whatever sh her understanding of um of this like of God is is just completely wrong. 
think it was she didn't have a full uh, understanding of it so don't be britney spears don't shave your head yeah well britney's gone through quite a bit what is her background i i I hate to be so uh, yeah she's she's from here actually she's from arkansas she is she's she's from here she she grew up in a town in arkansas i know the guy who owns the sonic really her Uh, house is for sale in louisiana i understand she's also from louisiana she Uh is but she's rich she grew up in a little town in arkansas forget the name so now she is a well-known singer is that right Mm -hmm. she is a pop singer she was huge in the 90s uh, I think it was uh, 90s, but also 2000s, like early 2000s, until she lost her mind. In How old is she now? I think, she, I think she's in her 40s. Okay. Yeah, um, like late 40s. But she uh, she was a child star, and it's my understanding that she had a pretty broken family. Like, uh, you know, how most child stars, their parents aren't um, benevolent dictators. They're, they're there for extorting their children for money and that's what her um, father had her committed to him yes so she was she was under a conservatorship where basically he ran her entire life um and so that happened for several 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 years and she went along with it but it seemed like because she was so popular she had so much money she had so much influence um it was hard to find anybody that she could trust to get her through that process um, I don't know how I feel about the whole conservatorship thing. I do think that what's unfortunate is she probably still was mentally competent whenever the conservatorship started, but I think that she probably lost it while she was in the conservatorship. So like just her, her brain seems gone. Um, but yeah, she, she had a very rough, um, childhood and then being an adult to just the amount of sexualization and, um and media just interfering with literally every single like decision that she made i could understand why she went crazy but um at the same time it's just so sad that she's gone so like very far astray from like i think that she was religious whenever she was younger but um but the amount of betrayal that she's dealt with in life has has caused her suffering now shia labeouf is a similar situation but he actually converted to uh catholicism and found christ in the way that he talks about it it's just like you can tell that person is truly um, yeah and they they shia labeouf when he was kind of going off the deep end mm-hmm. being super weird that got a lot of press when he comes back to christ that gets none yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah now we're at the um uh, one hour and 11 minute mark okay so we're in the Steve 15, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, let's kind of, uh, if I'm going to wrap this up today, um, like James does sometimes, uh, let's, what, what I think we've kind of all hit on is the whole idea that you're not always going to have, as a Christian, everything's not going to go great necessarily it might not ever go great and there are going to be people who seem to everything's going great i mean you know when britney spears was were was at the top oh yeah everybody yeah. oh i wish i was britney mm-hmm. maybe you don't <laughs> it looks good but that's a facade you see a life without christ and and that ultimately yeah. breaks down and maybe that's when it went astray for her um uh, you know uh, 
there was recently a physicist on Joe Rogan that uh, he kept saying, well, yeah, there's a God. This is a hardcore scientist. Mm -hmm. And he goes, what do you mean there's a God? He goes, well, here's when I felt like there was a God. He sees all these things that are so specific that he can't reconcile as evolution. And in, in we're talking about metaphysics. We're not talking about, uh, you know, genetics or anything like that. But he says it goes through everything. He goes, how can I sit here as a scientist and tell you it didn't happen? So that was a narrative that Joe Rogan, who I don't know if he's religious or not, uh, but he allowed on his show, arguably one of the largest platforms out there right now. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's not as good as our podcast, but it does have a lot <laughs> yeah, more listeners. Yeah, it doesn't listeners. quite reach that, but. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had Channel James there for a second. But to say that, that he allows that type of thought on his show, that's counter-narrative. Because the narrative of where he lives is uh, that that religion is just, you know, bunk. Uh, you've got several people who are atheists that talk about that. Um, I think that God also, some of the research I did, he talks about, he gives everybody a lot of time to change. And so when we're talking about this change that I think all of us have experienced in here, uh, Sarah's, when she was talking about how she cried when she was uh, feeling the spirit, uh, I've done that in my car. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, uh, weird things happen in my car. That's probably why my <laughs> wife doesn't like to ride with me anywhere. Anyway, but, uh, so, you know, remember that I would just say to the whole audience that if you learn anything today, Christ the way. And, you know, investigate that at least. At least look into yes. it. You know, you can't, if you've never looked into it, you can't understand it right i've looked into atheism i've seen its tenets that it's all just were a puddle that just thinks it's intelligent and i just i can't buy that it doesn't meet with my experience uh not just just looking at a you know when i get in my car and drive it away i go we're not just a puddle you know then there's the the new theory well it's not that new but it's the uh, we're in a simulation and computer simulation. <laughs> Somehow that makes sense to people. Not the 2,000 years of history we've had with plus uh, with Christianity. It's funny to think about that too, because when you think about the our ancestors, they wouldn't even know what a computer was. Like it's just kind of funny yeah. to think about like how we our brains come up with um, new theories based on I guess uh, our our now like recent experiences of computers and all this other stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah. something, something that I do want to add about Britney Spears, like as far as like, cause we're talking about, um, what, what the truth is and, and chasing that truth. Um, it's, it's, it's sad to see people like that, but it's also, I mean, kind of what you mentioned is it's never too late to, to have somebody change. Like God That's gives right. us time to do that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, what, what you just have to do is, is, um, 
sometimes it's probably not best to directly guide people to, to like, I don't know, like it's kind of hard to, to bring in a conversation where it starts off like, yeah, I'm like really big into Christ because people get weirded out for that, which is, which is sad, but I, the, by, by leading by example and um, truly trying to change your own life uh, and then focus on helping others through theirs. Mm-hmm. But, and then also recognizing that just because Britney Spears is struggling doesn't mean that that's something that we can laugh about or um, say, Oh, I'm better than she is because it's sad to see it that way. She's still one of God's children. And, um, you and just she have to may pray come, come exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because she could have the most beautiful, um, chain, like story of change in history. So anyway. All right. Well, gosh. That but was, uh, if we want somebody to change. Well, if you really <laughs> need to know how you want to change, you want to contemplate all these ideas. The best place to do that is the, PJ's in Haunton, where you can get delicious coffee, wonderful breakfast pastries, uh, all natural Red Bull boosted teas, and of course, lunch and breakfast sandwiches and zap chips in a wonderful environment where you'll be able to learn and study and think about all these things. <laughs> all right, ladies Perfect. and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, we'll end it there. Sarah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Chris. You just left the room briefly, but we thank him as well. Yes. <laughs> and we hope James will be well very soon. Bye-bye.